coaching and I love talking about coaching just as much. I created Coffee House Coaching as a space to have conversations with other executive coaches to learn about their journey, their practice, and their philosophy. I'm your host, Gary Nowak, and today I'm back with Jackie Hodgins and Jonathan Levine, who are here today to discuss assessments. To learn more about their backgrounds, they were both Coffee House Coaching guests. Jackie was episode number 20, and Jonathan, coincidentally, was episode number 21. How good is that? Some highlights from our conversation. They are two highly certified executive coaches, as you will soon hear. Why use an assessment? Different types of assessments between personality and external feedback. Some of the benefits of using an assessment. Assessments help to organize feedback. They surface mindsets and core beliefs. Information alone doesn't yield behavior change, and it really helps clients create their own narrative. Some tips for coaches. Give your client time to process the assessments. Noticing assessment behaviors inside an actual coaching session. Each assessment has a purpose. Good coaches need to understand what this is and which assessment will work best in which environment. And finally, this has to be the quote of any podcast I've ever done when Jonathan said, coaching without an assessment is like a random walk down a hallway of blind spots. Okay, let me get out of your way so you can sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Jackie Hodgins and Jonathan Levine. Hey guys, let's go. Jackie, Jonathan, thank you so much for being back on the podcast. Really appreciate your time here. As you know, today we're going to be talking about assessments as you guys both love those and they're near and dear to you. First question is, why would I even entertain using an assessment? Just to introduce each of us. So I, I'm an org effectiveness partner at Biogen, a global pharmaceutical company. Prior to joining three years ago, I was an external executive coach and leadership development consultant for about eight years. And Hi, good morning. Jackie Hodgins here. I have a very similar background to Jonathan, org design and org development consultant and excellent coach. You know, I think that is an age-old question in coaching, right? Coaches can decide if they want to use assessments or if they are not using assessments, I would say that for sure the 360 is so important to do that or stakeholder interviews. But beyond that, I was an internal coach for a long time. And so I got certified in many different assessments and found that there's a reason to use some of these depending on the client's need. That's why I use it. I I look at the client and I say, what is it that they need? from this engagement? And would one of those assessments fit the need? Some of them are really appropriate for self-reflection and self-awareness, and others are more appropriate for a more formal leadership development program. Just for a little bit of clarity, what are some of the examples of assessment tools that you're certified in? I'm certified in Berkman, DISC, Hogan, StrengthsFinder, Myers-Briggs, Horn Ferry, Enneagram, and LPI, which is Leadership Predictive Index. Well, I just started adding up the amount of training hours and money. All those must have accumulated. So it's quite a bit. You're investing heavily into your coaching practice, Jackie. Congratulations on that. Thank you. So for me, in terms of individual assessments or personality assessments, Enneagram, MBTI, Hogan, DISC, Insights, 
and there's a couple others. And then in terms of 360s, Corn Ferry, Leadership Circle 360, and the Leadership Versatility Index, LVI, and a few other ones. So how do you go about determining? Because you're both very adept at these. And, and Jackie, when you told me you were an assessment junkie, I totally believe you. How do you know which one to pull out of that toolkit and say, boy, this is this is the one? So just before we get to that, I just wanted to throw out one comment on why use assessments. So assessments are really good at structuring feedback. A lot of times clients walk into an engagement and there's just like a cloud of self-perception and we're so good at diluting ourselves. There is usually an underlying framework or model for every kind of assessment. And that's really helpful for categorizing different types of feedback about yourself or from others. And then the second thing I would say is having that framework helps the client to make sense through some kind of narrative and to determine an area of focus. And when you're operating without any kind of assessment, it's much more challenging to do those three things, to organize those perceptions, try to get a narrative and then an area of focus. In terms of how you'd go about choosing one or another, there's just so many different factors at play. But like one helpful thing that is a useful distinction, I think, is between personality and external feedback. So usually personality assessments, it's really just self-awareness. You're giving your, you're answering some questions about how you think about yourself. It's putting it into some kind of perspective framework, spitting that back to you in a way which is hopefully generating some insight, making sense of what you delivered. That's really helpful in the absence of external feedback, sometimes in conjunction with external feedback. And then there's the external feedback in the form of a 180 or 360. And there's all kinds of different ways of organizing that feedback, putting it into a kind of structure, helping people to focus. And that's, of course, much more effective if you had to pick between them just because you're getting outside perspective and you're much less likely to fall into some kind of delusion or any kind of blind spots you might have. So let me just, and Jackie, I want to hear your comments, but when I listen to that, what strikes me is one one assessment tool, set of tools is who am I? Reconfirming who I am as a person. So I've done strength finders. So I read all my, you know, of the 34, I've got the top five. So, oh yeah, that that resonates with me. The other one is how people see me and putting that together. Is that, because you said personality versus external. And what struck me was reaffirming who I am as a person and what my traits are, just to get more clarity on that. And well, I tell you, 2023 for me is a lot more clarity on what I'm doing. So if I can get clear on who I am, it helps me with future decisions. So I think that's one benefit. The others is how other people perceive me. Jackie, do you want to tag on to that? I'd love to. Yeah. Thanks, Jonathan, for bringing up a couple of really key points around Am I doing the assessment to learn more about myself or am I inviting others to give me feedback? And then through that process with the coach, you have that framework like Jonathan talked about. When I look at these, I think about, does this person need to look more inward? Do they need to have a little more self-awareness? Is that what they're working on? Maybe that's one of their goals in the coaching. And then also some of these assessments that are not personality-based, but are more job selection or job fit based, then we tend to want, and they have a 360 component with it. So we tend to see those more in, in the, in a job role where they're really trying to figure out, is this the right fit for me? Or what does my career path look like? That almost sounds like a third path. One is who am I? The second was how do people perceive me? This one feels, am I a good match for something? 
and using it as a decision-making criteria on this job requires this based on this assessment. I'm a perfect fit. And those puzzle pieces are going straight together. Is that fair? Yeah. And one way you could look at it, Gary, is that it's not that it's three different categories, but it's, they could be combined. You could have this, people can give me feedback through an assessment and it's also aligned to the job role, or I could be learning more about myself and I'm getting the feedback from others. And what's interesting I have found through the years of using these is when the person does the self-assessment, because there's always a self-assessment component, whether or not there's a 360 part of it as well. And they disagree with the results and I'll be with a client and they'll say, oh no, that's not true. We'll just have to go back and say, who, who took this assessment and what are you learning about yourself that maybe you didn't know before? And 360, just for clarity, is that's somebody else in that sphere of the person that provides feedback on the person. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I was just going to pick up on a number of points that, that that Jackie made, which I think were fantastic. One of the things that I heard, Jackie, in your comment is that each assessment has a purpose, and it was designed for that purpose. And in, in terms of being responsible users of the assessment, we need to know what that is and stick to it. So for example, Hogan was actually designed to be really good at predicting effectiveness in certain kinds of roles and is used for selection purposes. There really isn't any ethical and appropriate use for, I'm just making this up, but the Leadership Circle 360 or LVI, for example, for use for selection. And that's not because it's bad in any way, it just was not designed for that purpose. Can you guys walk me through the process of using an assessment? A, how do you choose which one? B, how do you administer it? And then C, what do you do once that person has taken it? How do you incorporate that into your coaching? You know, I'll start. I think the first step is to figure out, do they need an assessment? And then what type of assessment? What is the purpose of that? So when I do a, even when I do a chemistry call, I might even ask, have you ever done any assessments? What have you done? And then when I have the client, that very first session, that's one of the questions I'm asking them. Tell me about your, your experience with using assessments. And some of them say, oh, I've done Hogan or I've done StrengthsFinder or what, whatever they've done, just so I understand what that is. And then once we formulate the coaching goal or what do they want to accomplish over our time together, then it's a it's an exploration with them on would that be a good solution for them? Would that be something that would be beneficial? So it's number one, do they need it? Do they want it? What's the purpose of it? And then we get to what's the right assessment. So I'll give you an example. I had a client re recently who she had actually had some feedback from coworkers that she couldn't believe. She just said, I was, it's a huge blind spot. I don't know why I don't see that. She decided that what she needed to do was do more introspection and figure out why she didn't see what they see. So we used Enneagram because it helped her to learn more about herself and more about the, her behaviors and maybe where the behaviors come from. And then, so that client really benefited from an assessment like that. I would not have used something like a Corn Fairy or Hogan with that type of a client because those two are more about job related. Like Jonathan was talking about, am I a good fit for this job? So it's not about the job. It's about she needed to learn more about herself. Yeah. And in that example is a great example you gave, Jackie. Part of what makes Enneagram a great choice there is it's really good at 
surfacing mindsets that we walk around with and core beliefs we have about ourselves and what it means to be successful that can help to explain some blind spots and where they come from. And in contrast, like some other personality assessments like Hogan really are not designed to provide insight on internal motivation and factors and ways of thinking and mindsets. And they're more focused on kind of the way that we project into others' perceptions and in the workplace. So, Do you want to describe how you use what your decision criteria is or how you decide on which one? Jackie did a great job. I don't know that I would add more, just being really clear on the objectives you have and where different assessments shine, their, their intended purpose. And then in terms of how to use them, recognizing that information alone doesn't yield behavior change. We know that as coaches, but it's especially easy to forget with assessments is because clients also tend to be very assessment enamored in many cases. But the way that I've tended to use them is as an exploration into, into the framework that, that they're proposing to help the client create their own narrative. It's like a key output is making sure that there's a narrative that they have that helps them to make sense of this feedback, this perspective, and secondly, using it to get into powerful questions. And the information in and of itself is really not good for both of those. It takes the coach to help lead them through that. And one of the sources of value I think that we can add is we can have our own hypothesis. And I know in coach training, I'm PCC certified. So I I understand the whole ICF methodology, but I do also find it helpful for us to have a hypothesis on in terms of a narrative that we can explore Because sometimes clients do find it overwhelming. A lot of these assessments can be really detailed, have so many dimensions, and they don't know where to start. What's an example of having the client define their narrative? So they go through, they get the results back, they read through it. What's a good output of that for the client to come back with? Well, I'll just give one example. I'm sure, Jackie, you've got others too. Like the Leadership Circle 360 is an example of one that is really good at assessing reactivity versus creativity in leadership. And one of the things that it assesses is the degree to which there's controlling behaviors or protective behaviors or accommodating behaviors, I think they call it. And that can lead to very helpful discussions around for leaders, some of whom may find an inclination towards controlling people that they're leading what's underneath that. And so one leader that I coached with that realized through the conversation and their data that they're controlling because of the amount of pressure on them and the fact that that degree of control generated results earlier in their career. That's like a narrative. That's a story that they came up with through the conversation that they felt was accurate, but that led them to then do something, want to understand how much of that experience is relevant. What can they do about that? Can they play at the edge of controlling without judgment? But going from a lot of data to story is, I think, a key journey for everyone in any assessment. It feels like it's the why. Why are you doing that? What's the story around that? And Jackie, I want to allow some space for you to chime in here. Yeah, I do think that there's there's such value in letting them create their own story through the assessment. So a couple of examples I could share just to highlight that, which is I recall doing Enneagram assessment with a client. This is a few years back. And she went through there and she said, oh, now I know why I do what I do. 
I get why I act the way I act and how I react. And the funny part about it was she laughed her way through most of it because she said, I know I took this assessment about myself. She said, so I know these are my, this is my input to myself. She said, but how this is so accurate. I cannot believe how this report came out. And this is so me. And she said, there are things I don't want to admit, things that I don't want people to know about me that are in this report. And so that allowed us to have a story and coaching around why, what's what's the story you're telling yourself about that, those things that we could work on together. Another example is when I use Hogan, because Hogan does three things. It talks about personality, the potential leadership derailers under stress and pressure, and then your values and motivation. When you put those three together, it tells a story about why do you behave the way you do based on your values? How are you showing up in a strengths way? And then when you're under pressure, what's getting in your way? And some people don't, again, they don't want to hear, they don't want to see the, oh, that's not me under pressure. But then when you get them to say, but hold on, under pressure and stress, this is not you every day. And then they say, oh yeah, that's probably true. I can ask them if that's true, is that how you want to show up as a leader? And how do you want to show up as a leader under stress and pressure? It really sounds like you get data to support what they may be looking to you for as a coach. And it helps you because Jonathan, you pulled out, you need a coach in assessing data because the client can form the story, but a good coach can help them work through how they get from being under stress and having personality traits or certain demeanor that they don't want anymore. And a good coach will say, hey, when this happens, here's what you need to flex into. Is that fair? Is Because it feels like the purpose is trying to get to who they want to be all the time, not just when there's no stress, but or basically just who they want to be. I would even go one step further. I'd say it's unethical to give someone a, in most cases, a assessment without giving them a chance to process it because there's so much possibility for misinterpretation. They don't necessarily understand the framework. There's language like Hogan has, in my experience, a lot of triggering language and helping people understand that, putting it in different terms. And then there's one other factor too, when they're swimming in this data, which is that the very opportunities that the development opportunities that they have, that the data is commenting on may come up in the reading of that data. So for example, if I have a habit of controlling others, I may want to control the data, the reading of it, the session, interpreting it in some way. And that's a huge opportunity for a coach to bring that up. And that's one of the most powerful outcomes I think you can get from an assessment, especially for a client who's skeptical, is when the very behaviors that are in the assessment are coming up right here and then. It's hard to argue with that. Then a good coach points that out. So here's a key question. I'm not certified in anything. So if a client comes and says, oh, I've done XYZ assessment, what should I do? Should I ask for it? Should I have them email it to me? Should I have them tell me what their assessment was of it? What's my role? Oh, I think that's a great question. I would say something that I want to comment on too, which I think goes along with this question is that coach, some coaches have no, they don't get certified in assessments and they have a very fruitful coaching practice. So you don't have to get certified in assessments. But if you do, I would really look into what type of 
clients do you usually have and what would be most beneficial before you put money into it? So you're a coach, Gary, you don't have the assessment certifications and somebody, a client says, oh, I took Enneagram or I took Hogan or I took Corn Fairy. You might want to, you might want to ask them about that experience. What did they learn about themselves? Did they have any development from that? Is that in any way aligned to what's happening now, right? So you could use the assessment in terms of learning more about the person. But again, as Jonathan mentioned, there's the frameworks of these are, there's languaging. There's certain ways that we know how to interpret because we're certified. Some things connect and mean something different or something unique within it, within an assessment. I'm not sure that seeing the assessment as a coach who's not certified in it would be helpful for you, only from the fact of maybe reading it and seeing the summary. But I would be really careful on trying to interpret it if you're not certified because there are those nuances. And like Jonathan had a great example, like with Hogan, there are some words in Hogan, some of the dimension names that I even caution people at the beginning of a session. Listen, some of these names may mean something to you, but it probably it's not Hogan's definition always look at the definitions of what these are. That would that would be my advice. What do you think, Jonathan? Okay, the question that occurred to me is like, when might you not want to get certified or use any assessment? And I think if you're coaching, as long as you can get a good outside perspective somewhere, whenever I've tried to coach with no assessment and no outside perspective, it becomes a random walk down a hall of blind spots. And in the end, the human mind is, has this amazing capacity to deceive itself, and it can be a gigantic waste of time. But the nice thing about an outside perspective is it, it gives you something to react to in a way that others have found helpful if it's used for the right purpose. So sometimes you can start with simple, very simple feedback from family members, friends, colleagues, and it's unstructured and there's something meaningful in that. And that can be just fine. But as I think it is helpful to have some kind of outside information. I agree with that 100%. I think start with the 360 process or the stakeholder interviews. And then from there, determine if you need something other than that, or in addition to that. So definitely start with the 360s, get really familiar with doing that process and working with your clients, and then decide if you need something in addition. Yeah. And I think like a good starting point is to have just two assessments in your back pocket, one that's personality-based and that one that's for external feedback, like a 360. And the reason I say that is because you can use them separately and it's even common practice and quite powerful to use them together in the same engagement too. So good example, what would be either one, both of you, a go-to personality assessment that's one of your favorites? I guess I would start and then I'll turn to you, Jackie. I think any of the five-factor personality assessments like Hogan, and there's there are others, Jackie, I just can't think of them at the moment, but they the five factors of personality is maybe the most studied by psychologists and generally accepted as valid measures of personality. What would you say, Jackie? Yeah, I think the a lot of the five-factor model framework assessments are more geared toward the job alignment or the selection process. So for me, I tend to use Enneagram and I use Strengths Finder, and I even use the Executive Presence Assessment that you don't have to be certified for that, but it is online and you could take that free of charge. But mostly I use Enneagram with my clients because that is so robust of a report 
that you could use that throughout your entire coaching engagement, not just in one session, but it provides you a real nice framework because it covers so many different dimensions of personality in there. That's great. Let me just summarize real quickly what my takeaways are. It feels, I think my perspective is adjusting a bit that getting additional data to support your client and help you as a coach to triangulate information because you to the client, you articulate, I don't remember the quote, I'm going to have to go back and let Jonathan this dark path of blind spots everywhere. It's like, holy moly, I need to go get a set. I'm going to go get an assessment right after this. That's for sure. But it feels like anything else that we do, we just want more data about anything. And the key takeaways I got is that creating the story is allowing the client to create a story. And when you go out and do assessments, it's input into creating that story. The second thing that we almost started on was getting clarity. A lot of our work, a lot of my personal development this year and with my clients is helping people get more clarity with either their past on what they've done, how other people perceive them, how they perceive themselves in service of what's the best path forward for them to go to get the most out of, you know, from today onward. Can't thank you both enough for your time. I thought that was a good conversation. I do hope that you'll be able to join me for future conversations on more specific assessment tools so we can dig into this topic a little bit more because I think it's a great one. Sounds good. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for having us and lovely to learn from you today, Jonathan. Oh, same here. Thanks, Jonathan. You too.